Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There is a, a vigorous scrutiny up front that we need to figure out because when we challenge ourselves against that and we prove ourselves that it is the right goal, we are prepared. We do have the mindset. We do have the resources. Anxiety drops. Confidence goes up because now we have a mind, body, a soul alignment. Mm-hmm. And we have a real personal relationship with the goal itself. And I think most people don't have that. They think of the goal about the stuff that they're going to get once it's achieved, rather than having a love affair and a commitment with the goal to see it through from start to finish. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershaz, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one. People are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jeff Spencer. Pleasure. I'm so pumped to have you. Uh, Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazadeh, and boy, do we have an amazing guest for you. My friend, Dr. Jeff Spencer. Dr. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, uh, Dee. Always a pleasure and can't wait to uh, have some conversation. Yeah, let's chop it up. For our fans out there, as you know, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People are living their passions and those are creating greatness in the world. And what I love about our guest today is Dr. Jeff Spencer is doing both those things. He's living his passions and boy, is he creating a lot of greatness. We have a, a, just a world-renowned guest today. Um, I will give a little backstory on how this all came to be because how this came to be was I was listening to someone else's show that he was on and I was like, I want to meet that person. Um, and so I did what m- most people like myself do. We're like, I'm just going to hit him up cold. And I did. And here we are. So um, guys, with that said, um, Jeff, do you mind if I give a little bit of bio and then I'm going to give a background on how I met you? No, absolutely perfect. So guys, um, I was, it was probably... I wake up really early and, and I was, and I've always been a late person. Like I, I, like I'm a person that goes to bed and I still go to bed pretty late, like midnight, midnight, 11 PM. But I get up now, like it's weird. It's been this past year. I get up at four or five o'clock in the morning, almost every day. 
And I was always like a 6 a.m., 7 a.m. guy. And now I'm a, I'm literally like a 4 or 5 a.m. guy now. And so I get up and my kids are asleep. My wife's asleep. And I just, I love coffee. I love the taste of coffee. So I'll just sit there and drink coffee and listen to podcasts in the morning. So I don't know how it was. I think it was on, it was either LinkedIn or it was on Instagram. I saw that Jim Quick interviewed this person who was the the coach, like the corner man, the, the coach of champions and about this champion's mindset. And the person he's interviewing was talking about how he coached Olympians and high performers. And it was, oh, it was just this amazing talk on the mindset of Olympic Olympic champions, essentially. And this person happened to be the person who's sitting across me from me right now, Dr. Jeff Spencer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I want to meet this person. This is, this is like, this is like blowing my mind. It's resonating with me on every level right now. I, I got to meet this person. And so, and so I hit I think I hit you up on LinkedIn. I just went cold and said, Hey, I want to, I want to, I'd love to talk to you about this thing I'm doing. And, and so we got to start, we got to talking, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was so cool that you, that you responded and, and, uh, and now we're, we're, you know, we're getting to know each other a lot better. And, and it's, and I will say this, like, you're such an impressive guy, Jeff, and you're so giving. And, um, and I, I really appreciate you you being on the show with us today. So thank, thank you. you for coming. My pleasure. So with, with, with at, past the backstory, I do want to give your, your official bio. I always like to do my own, but, but, um, so Dr. <laughs> Jeff Spencer, <laughs> uh, you are a so- highly sought after speaker and coach to over 40 athletes who have won Olympic, World, National, and Tour de France gold medals. Um, at seven years of age, you made a commitment to becoming an Olympic cyclist. And 14 years later, you accomplished that goal, which is freaking insane. Um, you've coached athletes like Tiger Woods, and you found a passion for helping other top athletes reach, reach their full potential in addition to speaking and coaching. And you're the author, author of three different books around champion mindset, how to achieve unachievable goals, and how to become the highest potential of yourself. So. That said, Dr. Jeff Spencer, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you a question because where does that come from? Like, where did you, at seven years old, like I have a seven-year-old, and I have an eleven-year-old, and one. But by the way, I, I have the Tigers' his favorite song. My seven-year-old, like he and I, he's like, Dad, Dad, let's go wrestle. Yeah, he's he's an animal, right? He like loves to like get after it and he's yeah. really competitive and he's got that like fire in him. My older one, he's cool, man. Goes with the flow. Like I I brought him to I, I told I mentioned to you before the show that I was a wrestler um in college and high school. So I was like, man, I can't wait to have two state champion wrestlers. Like, which is a funny thing to say when you have newborn kids. Um and so I put my I put my now eleven year old, he'll be eleven in, in the 29th of this month. I put him when he was six in wrestling. He's grabbing the kids' hands and holding their hands, and like, like, like he did, like he did not care to win. Like oh, wrestling, oh. he was doing it because I wanted him to do it. He yeah. wasn't doing it because he wanted to do it. My younger one, he can't wait to wrestle. With if COVID wasn't here, he'd be wrestling tomorrow morning. <laughs> and so, what do you think it is? Like, how did you get that idea that you wanted to be an Olympian at the eight? You were like first or second grade. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just popped into my head, but I guess I'll say that I've always had the self-start gene. I've never been able to, I, I don't require anybody's motivation. You know, I, I just am up and ready to explore this great sandbox called life. And uh, that's what I do. And I've always been like that. And, um, you know, I've always uh, thought that um, I like to test the limits of what's possible. You know, I, my motivation has never been to show people that told me I couldn't do it, that I can. That was never a motivation of mine. It was just, you know, there's an opportunity here. I have a set of gifts that uh, the good Lord gave me. And part of honoring that is to develop 
the the best that I can build uh, out of myself, but to honor that and honor the people that have helped me. And that's the way I've always done it. That's such, that's such a, it comes from such a healthy place for you to say that. I've always been the inverse, which is, I'll pro- I'll prove those fuckers wrong like that <laughs> like 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 when you t- would tell me I couldn't do something it would like literally you might, as well, you might as well tell me to go you might as well tell me you're gonna go devote the next number of years of your life proving those people wrong right <laughs> like like and, and what's funny is now I'm 42 and I'm like I don't want to do that anymore you know yeah, like yeah. I, that's not a healthy place to do it yeah. from but <laughs> so at seven you had that self starter you the idea yeah. came you ended up you know training to become an Olympian and then becoming an Olympian. And what was that like? Do you mind walking us through? Yeah, like- no, it's a, I, the most amazing experience ever. Um, so uh, I, uh, the last time I saw my dad when I was 13, and when I was around 10, I, I didn't know exactly how I would become an Olympian. I just thought it'd be cool to walk into the opening day ceremony parade into the stadium. That was really the ambition. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I showed some just some incredible um, ability on a bicycle at the age of 10. I kind of stumbled into it. And I realized, well, maybe this is how I'm going to do it. And last time I saw my dad when I was 13, uh, but my parents were non-entities to begin with, which I think was an asset to me because uh, I had uh, no imposing, you can't explore this. That was not part of my life experience. I thought I could explore anything. And uh, I was fortunate to have a coach that I found at that time. Again, he was an angel that was sent to me for sure. And what was unique about that is that he said, Jeff, you know, the most important thing about this ambition. And he was a three-time Olympian, five-time national champion. Wow. He said, you know, will and talent and effort and wanting it bad enough count for something. But what creates a winner is to understand the skill of winning. Winning is a learned skill. And I'm going to teach you the skill of winning, which is what he did. And of course, uh, my fitness and the tactical side of that was developed simultaneously with this. But I feel that he showed me a methodology and a method that uh, allowed me to hold the ambition of that sacred to usher it through the minefield of how many people get derailed. And I never got derailed. I just continued to get better and better because I followed uh, his advice and I uh, followed everything that he said meticulously because I trusted him and he uh, was just an amazing human being, but he taught me the skill of winning. And then there was a, another part to this that was extraordinarily important is that when I was 18, I was a uh, sophomore at the university. No, wait a minute. I was uh, in high school still. And I, I met another gentleman through a neighbor of mine uh, who became my life mentor. And he was a Victorian born in the late 1890s. And he was a true Renaissance man. He was a war correspondent in World War One. He was a trained metallurgist from the university. He was a Shakespearean actor poet, playwright, very well published. He had a, won uh, an Emmy for a film about his creative philosophy, and he uh, developed a whole new type of art glass sculpture that had never been done before. And he chose me, the athlete, to be his apprentice, which is a very unlikely choice, but he saw something in me. And when we worked and I helped him create his masterpieces, he would play at lunch and at the breaks, classical music. He would read the poets to me. He would uh, share with me the great philosophers. And he said, I need to fill you up on this stuff. And I had the capacity to uh, ingest that. And so with that perspective and then with the athletic training and learning the skill of winning and being really interested in academics, it was an interesting uh, cocktail that um, I attributed to the good Lord putting these angels in my life to craft and tease out in me what was there that I couldn't tease out myself. And to me, that was really the 
secret recipe that allowed me to actually become an Olympian when I was 21. Wow. Yeah. Angels is the word. Like, how do you, how do you stumble into that? Right. Completely. <laughs> like, yeah. where, where, where did you live, by the way? Where, where, where would you grow yeah. up? Southern California, Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Where, where in, so I grew up in Southern California too. Oh yeah. I was in Pasadena up the foot of the mountains. Okay. Where, yeah. where, where did you go to high school? Uh, John Muir high school. Okay, cool. Yeah. I grew up in, in Anaheim Hills, California. Oh, okay. You're right around the corner. Actually. That's maybe half an hour, 30 minutes by car. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, oh, I, I know. John Muir. Um, so, so wow. So, so your high school, you get introduced to this mentor, two mentors, your coach. How old were you when you got hooked up with your cycling coach? Uh, I was uh, 11 at the time. Okay. And, and so, you know, you ended up learning, and, and I love that, this idea that skill and heart is one part of the equation because you got to like, I mean, obviously becoming essentially, how, how many, each year, how many Olympic cyclists make it on, on the Olympic team? Yeah, well, I mean, my um, odds of making it, and it's every four years, was uh, 360 million to one was my odds of making it. And to, to say that I came from a welfare family as well, because when my dad abandoned ship we went on uh, on welfare so um again i didn't know any different but you know there are some uh, obstacles that go along with that but again i was lucky because i had benefactors i had uh, mentors i had friends i had family i had just every manner of individual that seemed to just show up when i needed that part of me to be able to move forward um and so uh that was kind of the overall context that uh, I was able to, uh, 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 you know, uh, explore my craft and explore my potential with them. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter and Gamble, Ben and Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. 
It stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, and I, I love how you, you give those odds, right. And, and then yeah. you start to look at what is, the, what is the real odds once you factor in socioeconomic. Yeah. yeah right. For sure. Right. right like, like it's probably, it's probably for one, 25% of that number. Right. Like, like that's one point, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's in the billions is my yeah. guess. So yeah, sure. if I was to just napkin math it. So, you know, one in a billion chance. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, what are the odds, right? And it's not something where you like win the lottery. It's something where you work for a decade plus to make it happen. And then it happens. And so the part that really intrigued me, and this is one of the reasons I reached out to you was the skill of winning, right? And I, yeah. and I, and I love people's, I love hearing people's stories because I think the story is where we, we contextualize yeah. like how it came to be. But what was like, what was that for him when he when he started teaching you? I mean, obviously he could push you as an athlete and push you from a technical perspective. And then there's this mindset of winning, right? Which I think probably other coaches promote a mindset of winning. But what is? I mean, I look at the mindset and then the skill, and I'm like, is that is the mindset one piece of skill? Walk, walk us through what the what is the skill of winning? Because I I I fully get what you're saying. When I look at the times of my life that I did not win. A lot of the times, it had nothing to do with my skill. It had to do with where my head was at, and yeah. and and what I didn't do that I probably could have done had I came from a better place. So, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's a broad topic. We could talk for two weeks or a month or a year on this. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite topics, by the way. But I would say, just to answer your question, there is that when we think of mindset, people really think that I'm just going to mow anything down in front of me because nothing is going to stop me. I mean, that's kind of the way that people think about it, or I'm going to think my way to a place that I believe I can get to, or if I see it, I can achieve it. And all of those sound good, but they don't deliver because, you know, you can't get to a place that you don't have the skill to get to. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, with that, I would say that there's, uh, you know, several parts as it relates to this. And let me go through a couple that I think that are extraordinarily important. First and foremost is to realize that the way that we're made up, we're actually, our uh, human nature has two concurrent 
mindsets that are at war with each other 24 hour a day for control of our decision making. We have what I call the human mindset, which are natural survival instincts that all of us have that we can take action on that happen faster than we can think that's really not us. So for example, have you ever been in the presence of somebody where you said something that sounded so right in your mind before you said it, but then when you said it, it's like, why did I say that? That was the stupidest thing I ever did. I'm embarrassed. All the time. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, well, welcome to the club, right? And so that's our human nature talking on our behalf, but that's not really us. That's the imposter us. I mean, to me, that's the real imposter. But then we have another side of us that really wants to create a life of value and contribution. And that's the champion side. But from a biologic standpoint, survival is our first imperative and everything is geared towards that. But survival is really fear-based responses and reactions. Mm-hmm. Like for example, what do I stand to lose? I don't know if I want to do this. I'm going to lose this, you know, or I'm afraid so I won't even try, you know, or there's a variety of different things that, that occur to us that are solutions that are based on fear. And there's no way you can create a life of excellence if that's how you make your decisions. But we have this champion side that doesn't get first dibs at every moment because creating excellence is not a biologic imperative. It's really a soul imperative. Mm. And so every day we get up, you know, that low grade anxiety, every one of us feels every moment of every day that's sitting in the background. Well, that's the conflict because part of us is telling us to do that. And another part of us wants to do this and they're at war with each other 24 hours a day. And I think we need to recognize how that game works within us because it's not something that we ask for. It's just part of how we're hardwired biologically. And when we understand that and we understand that that self-talk is our survival self trying to talk us into survival solutions, that we can't create excellence if we make our decisions through the mythology of what it's telling us. But if we listen to those things that history has proven to be true, I mean, the champions have already told us what to do in business, sports, and entertainment. You just look at what they're doing, and through observation, we can see what they did to get to where they want to go. But that may be contrarian to what our human nature tells us. Like, you know, to me, the most important word in the prolific achievers vocabulary is restraint. You know, it's more about what you don't do than what you really do do. And I think in the human mindset and the common conversation is you just got to go for it and the person that works the hardest is going to get there but there's a lot of people that work really hard that don't get anywhere it's because they're not doing the right thing at like the right time so i think first and foremost we need to understand that the other side of this is that the champion's golden rule is you do the homework and the test is easy which means that your preparation is everything how you prepare is really how you perform mm-hmm. and you ask any olympian how they won the gold medal they say i don't know i just showed up and i trusted my preparation and the preparation won the gold medal for me. So really it is about preparation and being ready. So when you jump into the arena, you let your preparation execute itself in real time to produce your best results. And that's a hard thing because we're asking ourselves to give up effort in in pure will for being subservient to that which comes as the product of our preparation. But, you know, that's the secret. And the champions know that. And that's why they're the golden rule. And, and one last thing I want to say here is that when we kind of look at this idea of preparation, uh, that's everything happens before we actually jump into the arena. But there's a really important transition there between the preparation and the performance. 
And that's where you actually step into the arena itself, where if you haven't practiced what has to go right when you enter the arena and you have to think yourself to prepare to perform the way that you prepared, then it's going to be too late. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that. They just think if I prepare well, I'm going to perform well. Well, it's different because when you step onto the field, the dynamics change. People start to freeze. They start to over-rehearse in their head what they're supposed to do. Then they forget everything that they should remember because they're thinking about the one thing that has to go right. I mean, it gets really convoluted there. So I, again, say that there's a really a, an important path that uh, I've kind of rediscovered, so to speak, that if a person follows the path, you're going to get in a winner's circle more often than not and do some things that you're capable of, but you haven't been able to, as of yet, accomplish those certain things. So, wow, I'm like, I'm like, my brain's going a million miles away right now. <laughs> I love you, man. Yeah, no, this is, this is, uh, I, I was just thinking back to my last wrestling match, which is when I was in high school, um, which was, you know, to your point, because if you go down the list of all the, of all the Olympians, right, that are, that are there and who wins the gold versus who doesn't, it's like, my guess is there's probably a pretty minute difference between effort as far as like, Not for sure, in the top, probably in the top. 10% or whatever, right? Like as far as the amount of work, what type of work they're doing, there's probably pretty minimal differences there. I, I, I don't know if that, I'm, I'm making ma- major assumptions right now. I but, think you're correct, for sure. So yeah, then- paper, everything's pretty pretty close. Right, so like they did the reps, they did all that stuff, yeah. right? Um, but, but the first part and the last part, you know, and the last part being that, that, I guess it's maybe is it that 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 part of you where why are you doing it right? Are you doing it from this? And I'm going to use maybe the wrong words right now. Scarcity mindset. Are you doing it from this place of anxiety, this place of trying to prove you're worth something versus yeah, coming from it from again for lack of better words from the position of the artist where like the joy of the moment and the actual enjoyment of excellence. I think that's a really hard thing for people to do. You know, I, I actually don't think people take the time to do it if you want to know the truth. Because if we're talking about the champion's golden rule, do the homework and the test is easy. So when we're talking about the homework, that's everything that you do before you perform. And, and in my opinion and in my model, the very first step in preparation is to gain clarity on the goal and decide there's all sorts of types of goals out there. There's big, hairy, audacious goals, there's moonshots. There's a smart goal, but as far as I know, all the champions want to make sure that they've got the right goal. And so there's a criteria that I use with my clients to make sure the very first thing that we do, we make sure that what we're proposing to pursue, the provisional goal, is the right goal by exposing it to a certain criteria to confirm that, in fact, it really is. And we're not presuming that it is unless we've done a vigorous vetting of it. And the second thing that we do in preparation is that we look at the motive. Like, why exactly am I doing this? What are the reasons why? Because when we understand the why, because we've gone through a thorough vetting of it, pen to paper, and we've really fought for those answers, then it gives us drive. And if we don't take the time to really look at that, we're not going to have the drive necessary to do the extraordinary. And then the third thing that we do in preparation, we haven't even stepped onto the field yet. We're not even pursuing the goal. We're just preparing for it. We're asking ourselves about the goal itself. Number three is impact. Like, what's the impact of this goal going to be on me, on my legacy, on others in the world around me? And, and why that's important to ask those questions, you know, and really fight for the answers is because 
when we understand impact, then we have a different level of purpose. Because right. if I know how I'm going to show up here for Darius, I'm going to make sure I show up the way I need to show up. If I'm doing it just for myself or I don't know, I'm going to show up maybe you know 10% off of what it, the experience could be. And then you've got to have the mindset as well. This is where you really have to vet yourself. You know, Do I have really what it takes to address the challenges that will be associated with the goal that I'm pursuing? Like in my case, uh, you, know, you mentioned it was 10 years to go from declaration to become an Olympian to becoming one. But what if I didn't become one? Then I was still responsible for that 10 years. You know, could I actually handle the fact that I may get there and not be part of the team? So mindset has to be looked at also in preparation before I even start. And then the final thing in preparation is make sure we have the resources. You know, do we have the knowledge and the skills? Do we have the team? Do we have the materials and supplies? We need to make sure that we have enough to at least get started because when we've vetted those five things, then we are clear about what we're doing and what it takes to move forward. Our anxiety is low because we know that we have the right goal. And I think most people don't take the time to prepare well enough and they begin pursuit and then they may discover later, well, I don't understand why I did this because this isn't what I anticipated it. Well, that's because we didn't do the proper vetting of it to begin with. So I just kind of like to add that to the conversation that there is a, a vigorous scrutiny up front that we need to figure out because when we challenge ourselves against that and we prove ourselves that it is the right goal, we are prepared, we do have the mindset, we do have the resources, anxiety drops, confidence goes up because now we have a mind, body, a soul alignment mm -hmm. and we have a real personal relationship with the goal itself. And I think most people don't have that. They think of the goal about the stuff that they're going to get once it's achieved rather than having a love affair and a commitment with the goal to see it through from start to finish. And so is there, is that something where, and, and, and I've heard this said a lot of times, I'm a person, I'm a, I have an achiever mindset. I've kind of, yeah. I've gone through revolutions in my mind as far as trying to understand myself. But um, one of the things that I always found was I kind of did it the way you're saying right now, which is, well, when I reached that goal, then I'll have this feeling, right? Of course. And, right. And, and then, and then what I found was, I'd fight for that goal, kill myself, sacrifice, do all these things, get there, and it would, and I have no feeling. It, I, I actually didn't yeah. enjoy. It. And, and then, and guess what? The the bar moved up. There's a new goal now, and and I and I had this epiphany this year that I was lying to myself. So that's a lie. So I I know I now know this is a lie, and that that's not. That 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 w the way I'm approaching this is not giving me any. Maybe it was clarity around the goal is wrong, or but what the reason I'm saying all this is that I hear a lot of people say you need to have like the the journey is the is I I say this goal like the, the you got to enjoy the journey you got to have a passion for the journey right and, and and what I'm finding is to your maybe to your point or at least my interpretation of, of what you're saying is that the people that have those goals. They do enjoy the journey. They do. They have that love affair with that goal. But part of that's having a love affair of the process of getting there as well. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying that you have to vet the goal first to make sure it's the right goal. You have the right motives. You understand the impact when it's achieved. And you have the mind to be able to embrace what it's going to take to get there. And you have enough resources to get started with confidence. Because if you don't have those things, then you're not really assessing what your experience in the journey is going to be until you're really in the heat of the battle. 
right it may not be what you think it is so I, I feel that you know again i think we should fight for something that has high significance to us that will be something that uh, honors uh, how we have honored our will and our talent and our opportunity through this dimension i think that's really important and mm-hmm. without a vetting we don't have that intimate connection necessary to to fight for the lover you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Like if we have something that we have vetted that we hold sacred because we've scrutinized the importance and the value of that in terms of honoring our talents, in terms of, look, every time we win, we say thank you to our friends, our family, our benefactors, and our mentors that gave uh, with unconditional love t- to us. And that's the best thing that you can do for these people is to win because that's why they spent the time with you. And, and when we do win and succeed, that's honoring our talents. And there's 7 billion people on this planet right now, and there's only one of us. And so we have a unique opportunity here to showcase a once in a creation uh, person and, that's capable of manifesting certain things. And I feel like part of why we're here on this planet is to, to really honor our talents, not to showcase us, but to honor the privilege of the gifts that we're all given. And when you look at the people you've worked with by the way man like my brain is literally exploding right now (laughs) (laughs) it's my excuse i love it man this is like you're like speaking to my soul right now um thank you when you look at i mean you've worked with some pretty insane people i don't know if if you're allowed to talk about who you've worked with but i know some like can you do you mind sharing with us some of the people you've worked with um uh well um you know uh you know lance uh tiger in the athletic world uh you know, in the business world, Dave Asprey, you know, Bulletproof, uh, work with uh, corporations as well, Hitachi, you know, RSA, um, been on Branson's Island with him and other entrepreneurs, uh, you know, providing insights and servicing them with my knowledge and, and my experience. Um, so the archive goes pretty darn deep, actually, um, in all categories, I might add. Uh, I feel like I can hold my ground in any category. You mentioned athletes early. I, I don't have one athletic client right now. Everything's in business and mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. That's a, a real spe- sweet spot for me. But, you know, as big as people can play is the, is the game that I play at. It's all scalable, of course. But just to say that, uh, you know, there's no place that I haven't been with people to play the highest game possible and have been an advisor to them, looking at the complexity of their lives and figuring out the best and the smoothest path forward for them to be able to again you know manifest their potential to create a legacy that can showcase how they honor their talents but also to serve uh, as uh, an archive case study of what's possible which i think we need now more than ever in today's world that's gone insane as far as i can see Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. 
It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's dariusscale.com. And now back to the show. I asked that, that it was it wasn't because I felt like it was a necessity for our for our yeah. audience to hear these like big names. It, the reason I asked that was that I think that there's this misperception that people that are doing great things in the world are uh, how how can I say this? That they're special, lucky, gifted. What you you go down the list, right? Sure, of course. And and my perception of this, and I have some friends that have done some pretty cool things, is they're pretty much normal people that are honoring their talents. To your point, yes, absolutely. So there's a there's a level of luck involved, depending on when they became famous for whatever it is that they're that they're doing. But but it wasn't because they were lucky. It, 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 it the, the timing might be luck, but the process was the same either way. And and so I guess my question for you is: when you're working with these high performers, whether it be in in commercial enterprise, sports, you know, I, I know you've worked in people all over the, the spectrum. What is it that you're seeing that when they come to you, what is like? What's the most common thing you see from where they're at when they come with you to you to where they're at? when you've where they've gotten to where they want to get to where what is that starting point that most of these champions start at well i think it's a bit like a gps i mean i think everybody knows where they want to get to but it's the starting point of where i am is really elusive because unless we know where you are and can really name it uh, in through the context of your entire life taken as a composite of you both personally and professionally you know there's you that gets handed the steering wheel and you as a composite personal professional and the forces that are currently uh, we are experiencing in today's world combined with how we think and solve problems creates a trajectory and i can figure out what that trajectory is and where it's going to land and the question is is that where you want it to land or not because if it is where you want it to land then we need to work together to make sure we weed the garden you know it's not oh i can see it and i know where i am Therefore, I get it. Now, it's not like that. You know, you have to weed the garden by avoiding preventable problems. And as far as I know, nobody can outrun their blind spots. You know, everybody needs kind of a corner man in their corner. Like Rocky had Mickey, the old guy that's watching Rock in the ring in real time. And he's observing what Rock can't see because he right. knows Rocky better than himself because Rocky doesn't have enough life experience to see everything. Right. And he makes decisions based upon what he thinks is there when it's really not. Then it could be catastrophe. So we, need to make sure that we establish where you are and then we can determine number one based upon where you are what haven't you done and what are you carrying forward that can really hurt you later that you don't even see and we need to make sure that we address that first so that you remove a potential future disaster because you cannot run what you don't know you cannot run your blind spots and then we can say well okay Area. Since you're here, we can anticipate this coming around this corner because history tells us, based upon our current knowledge of you 
and what you're thinking and where you are, we can look at what the problems and challenges that you will face are. And what do you say we walk around those and let's let the amateurs step off the cliff because they didn't do enough uh, pre-op investigation. And uh, that way, then we also have to adjust. So, so kind of in my opinion right now is that the idea of what I'm currently doing with my clients is that, um, and they you know play a big game. And it used to be, well, you know, we want to go for big, faster, sooner. But I'm saying I'm not sure that that's really the right thing to do in the changing landscape of today's world. I think the strategy like right now, if that's the right word, is really, well, let's take a look at uh, risk abatement and risk avoidance. And we do that by doing three things. Number one, do we have the right pacing in what we're doing? Because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to make sure that we have the right timing. We do and say the right thing at the right time because mm-hmm. that carries momentum forward. Then we want to micro adjust as we go so that we're, again, carrying maximum momentum forward and we're avoiding preventable problems as they're starting to arise. So I think that that's really the uh, kind of trajectory and the orientation that kind of serves today's uh, world like most appropriately. When, when, uh, the- Oh, man. When when you look at that type of thought process, so it's funny. Like like my, I had three thoughts that came to my head, but one of them was you you get you you know you developed your craft by working with Olympic athletes and and professional athletes. I actually made them Olympic gold medalists. Is what I did. They came to me wanting to aspire to win gold medals. And the business people, let me say this also, is that simultaneously business people came to me and said, you know, Jeff, you must know something about winning and I need to become my own business champion. Can you help me do that? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of how that got started. Just one other point that I think is important is that, you know, as an Olympian, I know what it takes because I've experienced that it, it's in my DNA to make the decision at the one or 2% that allows us to gain access to that one or 2% that does make the difference. And, uh, because of my academic background, I have a master's degree in sports science. I know how to craft a body that can push. And if we can't push as an entrepreneur and we can't get to the finish line, then we don't win. So we have to make sure that we are crafting us that can get to the finish line. And we need to know that. And we need to know that we can play the long game to amass and create the best legacy possible and to honor those people that we've selected to be our teammates. And when we have that level of confidence, meaning I know where I am, I know where I'm headed, I know what I need to do to reduce the risk of vulnerabilities, I know what's coming so I can avoid the preventable problems, then all of a sudden our anxiety drops, our confidence increases, and we smell different to other people. When we're around them, they smell something different. And when we have that about us that was produced as the result of this level of scrutiny and vetting and tinkering and pacing and timing, then that inspires confidence with those people that we need as part of our team because nobody wins alone right i kind of want to add that to the mix here so yeah that you answered my question (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you a curveball um how do values play into this you know i'm the core value fanatic so right yeah so how do values play into this in your mind well i think they play really high because those are the i think values basically is everything because Uh, whatever our values are, uh, will be part of the magnetism between us and others. And however we are 
and the values that we hold, again, will magnetize ourselves to a certain type of people. And there has to be some standard in guardrails that go up that um, are a, an antidote to our human nature tendency to stray off the uh, reservation, should I say here. And we need um, core pillars to be able to organize and create a system against, but it also acts as an insurance policy for the people that we will bring into this to support us. Mm. So I think it plays a multiple of functions here that uh, deservedly deserve a place very high in the hierarchy, perhaps uh, one or two places at the top of what we need to establish early on to make sure that our true north heading is truly towards the North Star. So I, you, I asked you in the in the onboarding for you to give us your your five values. Could you mind if I read them? No, I'd love that. So, uh, so first of all, um, Jeff's favorite song is the Star Spangled Banner, and I told him I wouldn't butcher it on air. <laughs> and, I, and I, by the way, I love that song. Like, man, that song sends goosebumps down my down my yeah, spine. Me too. And I, I I love the Star Spangled Banner. It's seriously like one of my favorite songs too. I, it was funny. I hadn't thought about about it to you. Till I read that it was yours. And I'm like, you know, I think it's one of my favorite songs too. But um, your five core values are punctuality, courage, integrity, charity, and persistence. Yeah. How have those shown up for you in becoming the, the Dr. Jeff Spencer that you are today? Well, first and foremost, um, they've kept me in the game um, at very difficult moments, uh, you know, in my early youth. And they served as guardrails to protect me against myself and my own presumptions. And they've allowed me to uh, have a level of pacing and timing and uh, a reverence for possibility and a respect uh, for being able to deliver uh, on opportunities to uh, showcase the uh, with intense gratitude and thankfulness to, to those people that have uh, served me well. Be, in, another thing I'll say about this is that. Um, I have always answered the call uh, fearlessly when I get called to something. You know, I was like called to the Olympics. I felt like the Olympics chose me. You know, the five areas that I've been extraordinarily successful in, I didn't jump around because I was bored, you know, or just to amuse myself. But uh, certain things showed up at a certain time that I was called to do that uh, I was very um, willing to assume a, a subservient role to a calling rather than to have everything my way. I'm okay with that. And, and how those values played into this is that they gave me the energy and the presence of being to be able to execute uh, what was possible within those domains that I was called to. And so at the end of the day, um, I feel that um, I've done everything in my power uh, with the best of my ability to uh, you know, live a life of honor, to show up for duty when called to duty. And an example of that, the, what I'm most proud of is um, uh, the adoption of, of my 10-year-old, of my daughter, who's now 22 at the age of 10 from Columbia. Uh, and I can honestly say that uh, when we adopted her, I realized because she didn't speak English, we didn't speak Spanish, she had no school. She's now in America at 10, um, severe PTSD and ADHD from getting beat up and, and worse for the first 10 years of her life, parasitic ridden body. I realized, I told my wife, it's like, 
you know what? We called her into our world and we have to service that uh, with honor. And so starting tonight, I have to cut 90% of my workload out to be her father, wow. which I did. Uh, 90% of my income was gone overnight, but I had to show up and I had to perform and I had to deliver on the promise. And I did that. And it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. The Olympics was easy compared to this. Wow. Say that, that what I've learned uh, you know, from this experience has been the, the biggest gift of ever because it gave me something to really fight for and to put myself aside, which I was okay doing. But the glue there was the values that you just shared with me that I told you previously. So that's the role uh, and the importance of values in my life. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How, how, do you mind if I ask a little bit about the no. adoption of your daughter? Yeah, please. How did you... How did, how, I mean, how did that come to be? How did you decide that you were going to adopt? You know, I mean, it sounds like it was a really traumatic childhood for, for your daughter until she, she came to you guys. And, and, and you told me a little bit about it before the show, but, but, but we talked the first time we spoke, but what, um, how did that come to be for you? That's a really intense, like, like experience. Yeah. Especially at 58, we adopted her. I was 58, the height of my career, you know? And, um, again, we were called to it. You know how kind of ideas occur to you? Mm-hmm. And then some jump off the radar as soon as they jump on, you know, and you don't think about them again. But this one kept coming back and back again. And we then decided to, to pursue it, which we did progressively. And we chose uh, Columbia because uh, one of the Tour de France's I did, I did nine Tour de France's. We won eight of the nine that we did. I was involved in hard sport, by the way, um, is that uh, I, we had a Colombian on the team. And I love this guy because he had this beautiful skin. He had these beautiful teeth. and uh, you know, he you know, loved his family and uh, he loved God. And those things are all really important to me. But he showed up happy. And the tour is not a place where you're happy because you're going to suffer like you've never suffered before mentally and physically, you know, over 21 days. And you can't go home. You can't sleep it off. You know, no family, nothing. You got to put your clothes on. You go to work. It's like freaking brutal. It's the ultimate life clinic, as a matter of fact. And he showed up happy every day. Like, okay, I'm going to put my clothes on. You're going to get the best of what I've got. So that was really the inspiration to uh, pursue a, a Colombian adoption. And we were matched w- with the child and, uh, you know, she was raised as a criminal, didn't know it at the time, but I mean, it was as bad as it gets. But, you know, uh, again, let me say this is that had people shown up differently for her, her life wouldn't have been what it was. And the scars that she still has that run deep. It's hard to say how much of that can be, you know, eliminated. Uh, Don't know. But all I can say is that she didn't ask for any of that. No, she showed up as a great kid that was imposed on her. And I just feel that, you know, part of the values in what it, what, why I, it was important. It was my declaration to decide on those things is that it allowed me to show up every day. And the most important question I asked myself every day, before I start engaging people is like, how am I going to show up? Mm-hmm. Am I going to show up and give them the best that I've got? Yeah, I am. Why? Because they don't deserve to have anything the best from me. Life is hard enough as it is. 
you know, and I'm, I'm more convicted of that than ever. And I steadfastly adhere to that because of what I learned from my daughter. She didn't ask for it. And so like our job and the way values play into this is that we're daily grind. We don't think we're getting anything back close to what we think we deserve from the time and effort that we're putting into things. All we need to do is look at our values. It reminds us of why we're doing it. And that's the thing that kind of gets through the difficult moments. And to me, when we show up, the person that we're meant to be for others, that's how you live know, life, my opinion. Yeah, man. And thank you for sharing that. That's, 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 that's brutal. That's, yeah, that's it's brutal. brutal. But, but, you know, like the other side of that is, you know, the calling happened and she got you guys. Right. And that's, yeah. we were that's, the lucky ones actually. Yeah. 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 Well, exactly. Like, like, I mean, that's, yeah, it's an amazing story, man. I, I, wow. Can I say one more thing? Of um, course. Yeah. please. Uh, yeah, yeah. What I want to say is that what I've learned from this is that when life is too good, there's no reason to dig deeper into self. And unless you have something that is uh, incessantly pervasive that you can't get away from, that's with you, that you have to face day in and day out, you ask a deeper set of questions that you would never ask when life is too good. And when you start to ask those questions, then a deeper sense within us of our capacity and our abilities starts to to surface and it starts to arise from deep within us and to me that's the best of us that needs a reason to come forward that is our true value that we can share and manifest through example to all of humanity and again that's certainly what happened in our situation so the benefits of the challenges the challenges evaporate and they recede into the background when we see the value and the quality of life that we derive by having perspective on what the gift of life is and what is it that we really do need to have to live a life of value and contribution. And that's the thing that we got from this. And I just don't think we as humans perhaps have enough within us to dig deep enough to ask the deeper set of questions unless we face something that's of high significance repeatedly where we kind of have to cry uncle and then we have to ask our set the self the steeper set of questions. Do you think that, that the putting being put in that like exist, like I don't, I don't know if existential threat is the right yeah. word, but, but you, you get into that moment where you're so challenged that you have to level up to get out of it or else yeah. you break. Right. hundred percent. And you can't fool yourself either. You don't want to fool yourself. You know, you, you get to a point where you'll do whatever it takes to get there. And so you're not being selective about when you're going to try and when you're not going to try. And I think that, you know, most people are pretty selective. It's like, well, you know, I'll put this effort in if I'm going to get this back. But I feel in certain situations, there is no barter. You're either going to show up or you're not. And if you show up unconditionally and you do what has to get done because the circumstances dictate it, then it creates a better you where, where you don't become quite as uh, connected to external you know, brownie buttons and accolades to get a sense of self. You know, you're stepping up based upon something that was revealed to you that you saw had to get done. And there's a tranquility of being that kind of comes along with kind of abandoning everything to serve what has to go right in the moment. And it, the things that I learned from my daughter is that you can love anybody. You don't need a special reason. You just decide you're going to do it. Yeah. And I also realized that, you know, you, you never 
discount the possibility of a miracle. You always hold out space for a miracle. And you have to trust the process because sometimes you have nothing more than the, the next moment in front of you because there is no visibility. So you learn to trust the process and you learn to do without certain stuff. A lot of the things that we think that we need, we don't really need them at all. But we don't know that until we've had an experience that liberates us from, from the mythology of that. And so if you look at people, you know, a lot of people on the other side of their worst moment really become the person that they can be and they're, they're actually, that they're actually known for. So we all have these rites of passages. I have, I have two things to say. So I, I have the, these friends that were on the show. Um, it was a roommate of mine from college and um, she was on the show, I don't know, a couple months ago and her and her husband rode their bike from the nor- mo- northernmost road. Actually, you'll appreciate this because you're a bike guy. Um, they rode their bo- bike from the northernmost road of Alaska to the Tierra del Fuego. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, I'd love to make an introduction for you. Uh, Please. And, and yeah, they're amazing. And they're these adventurers. And they like they walked the Pacific yeah. Crest Trail one year. That's what got them into this. And then they came up with this idea. They didn't have even have any money when they did it. They're just like, we, they had like no money. They just figured it. They're like, we don't, like, you don't need money to sleep in a tent on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> it's like 800 bucks. <laughs> they, wrote, they did it for almost two years. Um, but you made me think of that because one of the things she said, her name's Kristen. She said, you know, um, you don't need very much to be happy. <laughs> We've lied to ourselves that we need. All <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'd love, it's like, like we, we'd have anything and we just, yeah. we just, you know, and yeah, they just did it, you know? And so anyway, it was funny because I, I, I think that especially when you start to, you know, I have friends of all spectrums, you know, uh, financially speaking and, and, and I see some of my friends who like they don't know what to do with themselves, and they're kind of asleep in their kingdom of yeah. excellence or yeah. King, yeah. yeah, you know. They're it's it's like they just want and and they're like ah, I just don't know what to do. Just go make more money, you know. Yeah. But they're not happy because it's like what what else can you buy at a certain point, you know? Yeah. Like you can't and, and to your and and I and I and I'm not I'm a friend, right? I'm just like well, maybe this is you know, there's nothing you're gonna do that's gonna change that. This is yeah. just. This is this is from within, you know. Yes, and and that's what I heard you just say right now, which is we we can challenge ourselves to become the greatest version of the self we've ever never imagined, maybe. But it, it takes a bigger reason than just the accolades that society is going to give us for that win that rubs off one minute later. Yeah, I think you know it, t- it takes a while to get there, and you know I'm a big student of humanity, and um, yeah, because of my age, my experience, I feel that. We start asking a different set of questions in our late 30s, you know, kind of the zone of doom for me, not for myself, but for what I see for people, you know, usually 38 to 43 or so. This is where the first kind of shakeout of uh, the importance of meaning and and a reevaluation takes place, you know. So I feel that until we get to that place where we naturally ask the questions, we can academically know that the questions are coming, but we have no reality against it because there's no necessity to actually meet it head on yet. But mm. given enough time, late 30s, early 40s is when the convergence of life's decisions and assumptions uh, then sort of culminates in a conversion, in a convergence where we start to ask then a different uh, set of questions. So, uh, you know, again, I feel that it's important to align yourself with um, a sage, you know, someone that has wisdom that 
can help point things out. Like I tell my daughter, I said, look, I need to talk to you for a second here. I'm going to say some things to you that you're not going to understand. And I don't expect you to understand. But when this shows up, you're going to remember our conversation. And as your father, the words I never want to hear from you are, dad, why didn't you tell me? And mm. that's the reason why I'm telling you this right now. So I feel that in today's world, it's very complex where things are happening really quickly. We need um, a presence of sobriety that can help us kind of move through the fog here and digest where we are and what does that mean and what, we sh what should we be doing? To me, that's the most important question that we should be asking. So I guess that's a series of questions that we should be asking. Where mm -hmm. am I on the map? Can I put a thumbtack on the map that tells me where I am right now, which is my point A on the, um, the GPS? And what does this mean? And where am I headed? And how do I get there? I think there needs to be a constant conversation about that right now in the complexity of the world, because there's a risk of either trying to do too much too quick to be safe and pull ourselves out of harm's way. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that puts us in harm's way because we're trying to do too much too quick or we're not responsive enough and acting quickly enough, the window shuts and now we're caught with our pants down. So just to speak to the point here, I think there needs to be a, a constant conversation where we're kind of adjusting our tra trajectory as we go based upon what the reality of where we are really is. So I know we're, we're running towards the, the latter part of the show, and this has been an incredible show. I'm, I'm so grateful to have you here with us. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, it's been so cool. You know, we got a new year coming. It's been a pretty tumultuous year for a lot of people. Some people have had great years because this COVID thing helped them. Some mm -hmm. people have had terrible years because of the state of the sure. world. Um, but I do think that there's a, 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 a we get to repress the reset button on January 1st and, and fight for an, another another year. Yeah. And, and not everyone in the world gets to work with a Jeff Spencer gets, you know, gets to have access to you. What what advice would you give to people that are trying to level up and become the champion version of themselves if they if they're not necessarily in a position to work with someone like you, just an average person that wants to do above average or great things? Well, I, I think uh... Associate yourself with some people that uh, are a bit more experienced in the areas that you have aspirations in to help uh, provide for you the reality of what the path is to go from where you are to where you'd like to be. So you have some reality on what that's really going to take. Because when we kind of unmask that, then it's much easier to commit to something and conserve energy because we're not squandering it, worrying about things and, and being uncertain. That would be. First and foremost, I think also to uh, have a set of peers where you're sharing information to just kind of calibrate and, and titrate realities to make sure that what we're seeing it is is what it really is. Because generally, as we get older, we start to see patterns emerge for a second and a third time where we can be sure that what we're seeing is what it is. But mm -hmm. prior to that time, we may be making a best estimate about what it is based upon our knowledge, but our blind spots may not be revealing things that may create uh, 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 an ill uh, anticipated set of circumstances that, you know, could, could have been avoided. It, and the other thing I'll say here is, you know, keep your aspirations high, you know, don't, don't downgrade yourself out of fear of what it might be later. I think, you know, you adjust as you go, as reality presents itself. 
And when you do that, then you're living in real time with real circumstances. But let's not decide what it is in advance without evidence and start to downgrade ourselves, trying to protect ourselves from a future that's not even here yet. Mm-hmm. Knowing that 90% of what we presume is going to happen never does anyhow. I think those are kind of three things that I would, uh, I would say also stay close to a community. I think I mentioned that earlier, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, we, we, if we have those three things from a developmental progress standpoint where we can continue to evolve ourselves in times of uncertainty, that's a pretty good prescription. Oh man. Just dropping pearls of wisdom over here. <laughs> Channeling. Yeah, it's so cool, man. Yeah. Um, well, look, uh, where can people find you? I know that you're 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 kind of getting out and about, and you're doing some cool work right now. Where can people find Thank you? you. Well, I'd love to share that. Yeah, great. A couple things, just to kind of look at some of the models that I've created. Uh, uh, you can go to beforeyouwin.com, uh, B-E-F-O-R-E-Y-O-U-W-I-N, beforeyouwin.com. There are some things there, and there's a, a really important paper that uh, you ha- will have access to. It's called How Not to Blow It Just Before You Win, because I see all the time where people are just getting to a point of a personal breakout, and then they fumble the ball every time because they start changing things. So please go there to make sure you look at that so you become a winner, not a statistic. Mm-hmm. And then if you'd like to have a, a broader, perhaps deeper conversation, then you can go to my website, uh, drjeffspencer.com. And uh, if you'd like to have a conversation, you just fill out uh, an application. It doesn't uh, obligate you to anything, but it's just an opportunity for us to perhaps have a call together and uh, have you share you know, where you are and what you're thinking and see what uh, and how I might be able to support you. Awesome. Um, is it is it Dr. Jeff Spencer doesn't have the dot in it. It's just Dr. No, yeah, it's D-R-J-E-F-F-S-P-E-N-C-E-R. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jade, can you make sure we put that across um, the, and you can run that on the show on the show notes. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that's up and it's in the comment section and would love, love to promote that. Um, guys, so much, so much. Oh, God, my, my soul gets fed when I get out of shows like this. This is wonderful. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Dr. Jeff Spencer, man, I, I appreciate you so much, man. I love all the work you've done and will continue to do in the world. And, just everything that you stand for is what we need more of that. And so thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Darius. Just really uh, an honor and just be mindful everybody. There's always room at the top for the best. Definitely. Do you mind staying on just for a second? We're going to wrap the show up. Uh, Guys. um, Great show. Gosh. Uh, For those of you guys that caught it late, be sure to start watch party, share this with your friends. Everyone needs to hear what uh jeff spencer just said uh we have so much i mean literally i it's i'm gonna say this you're you're gonna laugh uh jeff i um normally i take notes during the show but i but i have to look down i keep looking away from the screen and i was like why and like i'm literally you're talking i'm like you gotta like soak this up man like quit stopping to take notes and and i was like i'm just gonna rewatch this episode (laughs) when we get off so so i mean I just got to sit through the show and conduct the interview and I'm watching the show again. So guys, if you get a chance, share the show, share it on social media with your friends. Everyone that's trying to level up needs to hear what Dr. Jeff Spencer has to say. Check out the beforeyouwin.com. Go out there, check out the white paper. And if you guys want to connect with Dr. Jeff, please go to drjeffspencer.com. I swear my heart is full. My brain is full. I'm bursting at the seams with, with happiness right now. Uh, this has been like the best Christmas present I ever got that I didn't ask for. Uh, <laughs> guys, um, take care so much. I think we got show next week. Uh, we'll send out the schedule for that. And with that said, you guys, we love you. Everyone be safe. Have a happy holiday. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. We're out of here. 
you are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from, and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers, and after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.